This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey, hello. This is the Mill Podcast. Uh, today I'm hosting, my name's Joe Zampa. And I've got my co-host along with me today called Mark Whitechurch, uh, a Mill fan from the 80s, uh, who's come from all the way in Montreal in Canada. How you doing, Mark? Very good, very good. Really glad to be here today to uh, speak to uh, another Mill legend. Exactly, exactly. So uh, this guy needs no, no introduction. Um, obviously, we spoke about it before in the past and on previous shows, along with other players. Um, this, this guy was born... On the 2nd of June, 1971, uh, originally from Wolverstow, played professional football for Bromley, played 109 times for Millwall, scoring 35 goals, and also played for Wimbledon, uh, partly in the, in the Premiership, uh, with 60 caps and 11 goals. Uh, a season that spreads over 10 years, from 1990 to 2000. Please welcome Jonathan Goodman. Thank you, Thank you Joe. Good, good, good. How are you doing? You all right? I'm very well, thanks. Yeah, looking forward to this. Good, good. Excellent. Good stuff. So we're going to go down memory memory lane. I feel a bit like Eamon Holmes here, like this is your life. Yeah. I should get like a red book out, you know, and uh, have all these guests appearing from from uh, from behind the door. <laughs> That'd be a bit worse. <laughs> you, got, you, got, yeah, you got Brian Horn there, have you then, uh, Joe? Or... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Holmes, yeah. Yeah, your place, yeah. He's just ordering a burger. It'll be, be here soon. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. So, I thought so, yeah, okay. Yeah. So, so John, um, in 1990, obviously you're a youngster, so 18, 19 years of age. You you signed for Bromley at the end of the season of 1990, and you were put on an immediate contract at the time. Yeah. Um, you then got the chance to sign for Millwall, but it all happened very quickly. Talk talk us through that. How did that actually happen? Yeah, it it did happen very quickly. Uh, so I lived in East London. Um, played for Leighton Wingate at non-league level uh, and was a bit of a nearly man, like in terms of some of my mates had got into professional clubs. We had a mate, Richard Chick, who was at Millwall at the time as a schoolboy, Jason Lee, who became Pineapple Head. Yeah, uh, he was at Cholton at that moment oh, yeah, in time. So yeah. yeah, guys that I was playing school football with and Sunday football with that were in professional clubs and I, and I kept missing out. And so I went down a non-league route and, and, and continued to study. Uh, and as it, what happens in non-league, George Wakelin was the manager of Leighton Wingate. He moved to Bromley. He lives in, in or he lived, did live in Downham Way, you know, uh, which is just around the corner from the training ground in uh, in, in, in Bromley or uh, Lewisham area. And um, George 
told me he'd like to take me and a number of players across to Bromley. Now, by now, I'm a student, so I've just got this really old Triumph Toledo car that will just about get through the Blackpool Tunnel to get to Bromley, right? So um, we, we go across in the pre-season and we, we sign an agreement. I signed an agreement and George was really good. He said to the directors at Bromley, I believe John can get a professional contract. We're going to sign him on a contract, but when if a club comes in, we're not going to stop him. You know, he's, we're going to let him go to a, a club. So... And at this stage, I was 19, so I had a very good pre-season with Bromley um, and had just become a man, you know, from being a boy playing men's football to suddenly being a man playing men's football. And had a couple of games at the right time in pre-season, one against Leighton Orient, no, one against Millwall, uh, a Millwall 11. So I was lucky enough that uh, Alan Dowson was playing centre-back and he, he probably didn't have the best of games and I, I had a very good game. And then on the Tuesday night, we played uh, Leighton Orient and Bob Pearson had come to watch. And George said to me before the game, listen, just a heads up, you know, Mill are coming to watch you again. Uh, you know, just, you know, play with energy and enthusiasm and see what happens. And thankfully, I scored a couple of goals uh, and played as well as I could have done. You know, nothing happened immediately. And then the next day, I was with my dad because uh, I was, you know, it was the summer, so I was helping him out. He was a glazer uh, and, and he had this big... Um, Passion mobile phone that started ringing and it was George saying, "Oh, you better get over here to to my house in in, in uh, wow. Downham Way and meet Bob Pearson because um, we've agreed a fee with Mill." So we drove across, met Bob. Bob was amazing. Um, told me I'd be in the first team by Christmas. Um, <laughs> I was I was aware that they'd signed Paul Goddard. They had Teddy Sheringham. They had Malcolm Allen, and there's me. Mm. 19 year old kids you know it's a bit intimidating because when i've been to mill uh, we played a school cup final there and the stadium was pretty you know intimidating even with not many people in it you know three sides terracing getting in and out of the stadium um was quite daunting uh so you know your first impressions were a little bit you know wow am i going to be ready for this but mm. you know uh, agreed to contract it's only a year a year's professional contract and you know off we went Brilliant. So that was obviously, that would be the season we got relegated from what was the old right. first division, the top tier. Uh, obviously, it was a bit of a rebuilding process. We still had Teddy Sharing, as you say, at the time, um, who was prolific that season, scoring a lot of goals. And like you said, there's some real big, big players. We signed Paul Goddard for 800,000, which was our record for many, many, many years. Uh, a big sort of player for us. For, for you, as a, as a 19-year-old coming into this this, this squad, this, this team, I mean, what was, it, what was your first day like at training? I mean, you meeting likes of Teddy Sheringham. What was Teddy Sheringham like when you first met him? Yeah, uh, I did a presentation about this, about breakthrough moments the other day for a friend. And I was saying, like, there's no manual. You know, when you, you know, induction, you know, you, you, you're going, you, you kind of like, you're going to go and train with professional footballers. And on day one, you know, I was told you have to be clean shaven, no jeans. Bruce Rioch is a stickler for uh, discipline. Uh, I turn up. Uh, I was I was a bit embarrassed about my car, so I parked uh, on on the side street and, and, and wandered in that way. Um, <laughs> like I think Bob or Ian Evans might have been there to, to welcome me in, um, gave me some kit. You go into you're not quite sure what change room to go into because there's a certain etiquette. The big boys go on the one on the left, the senior players, and Terry, Terry Herlock's coming the other way, and I, he, he hasn't had a shave or anything. I think he, he looks like a right scruff man. How's <laughs> <laughs> he get away with that? But I bumped into Teddy and. You know, fun enough, I saw Teddy stay on the golf course. And, you know, Teddy's still got that 
that uber confidence in himself. And so I, I was like, Ted, how are you doing? I, I went to the same school as you. And he just, he just swatted me away and said, okay, well, you know, really? hopefully you'll do well. We'll see how you get on. So um, I've got to say, everyone was incredibly welcoming. Even lads like Steve Torpy, who was a, a fellow striker, first yeah. year professional. And I was a direct competitor to him, uh, Phil Babb, Darren Tracy, um, mm. you know, the, Alan Dowson, the younger pro, Sean Sparham. You know, Nicky Coleman, there's some good guys there that really welcomed me. And I, I trained with the reserves, basically, initially, uh, and then worked my way towards the first team. Excellent. So so you said Bob Pearson signed you um, initially. And, of course, Bob Pearson, uh, the late Bob Pearson, sadly, passed yeah. away. And um, he signed some real big big players over the years at Millwall. You know, a real kind of uh, a legend uh, in, in what he did for our club. Um what was the big factor? I mean, at, at the time, I guess joining Millwall it, for you from Bromley it, it was a big move. But was there anything in particular in what Bob said or what or how you come across? You mentioned about the promise he made you to sort of you know be play football by Christmas. But was there any other elements to that that made you feel and your dad for that matter that this is the move for you? Because I'm sure there'd be other clubs there looking for you as well, weren't they? Well, yeah. Listen, as a kid growing up, all I dream about is being a professional footballer. You know, mm. visualise scoring goals, getting that opportunity, and I'm seeing mates do it. And, I've, you know, and then, you know, it is a, a, a breakthrough. It's a, a, one of them moments where you go, okay, now this is really happening now. Um, and I did, like this, I wasn't going to be disrespectful in any way around, you know, maybe, I don't know, Arsenal are going to sign me. Maybe, you know, maybe mm. you go where the opportunity is. And um, But Bob was just really really calm and like he said john you've got nothing to lose it's a year's contract you know you can go back mm. i was at university polytechnic southbank polytechnic he said you can always go back there in a year's time so just suspend your studies doesn't if it doesn't work out so um but he, and I, I guess what was probably the good thing was george had a good relationship with bob and and the club because george was a south londoner himself so george obviously mm. trying to recruit for bromley he's trying to build that relationship so he you know he, he like George, and even when I played reserve games for Millwall, he'd come along and watch mm. the games and almost yeah. give me some guidance still. And and Bob, you always used to call yourself Uncle Bob, and he, you know, he'd he'd, have, he'd pull you to one side and have a, have a chat about how you're getting on and the underlying politics of any football club, you know. And mm. uh, on top of that, you know, you've got to be a pretty tough cookie to play professional football. You've got to be very independent, and so you've got mm. you've got to learn quick and and smell the room quick, and you either adapt or you or you don't survive. Excellent. But, but obviously, like you say, he, he, he made that transition um, a fairly kind of easy one. He kind of simplified it almost for you, didn't it? So you had low expectations, really. It's about just sort of going in there and, and learning and, and just developing as a as a youngster. You mentioned there that um, Bruce Rioch, um was also your first manager. Did he have much of a say in, in your signing at the time? Because I'm guessing that was in the transition period between, you know, uh, John Doctor wow. getting sacked and then, of course, Bruce Rioch being hired. Well, Bruce was the manager, but the, the, the first team in the senior squad were, were in Ireland. So that's why during in that game, we played a, a mill 11, the guys that had been left behind, so a younger group. Um, so uh, I hadn't met Bruce, I don't think, even when I signed my professional contract. Oh, no, I think we delayed to sign the professional contract until my mum was away. So she came back, the first team were away. So it, it took a bit of time to actually sit down with Bruce and, you know, sign the contract and whatever else. And, um, I was a bit, you know, you, you just, because he's a manager anyway, you, you just, and you're aware of him as a fantastic ex-footballer, brilliant job as a manager at Middlesbrough. Um, he had Ian McDill as his assistant. Um, 
and there was some. I think Alan Baxford was there. There was some. There was some just some real good people there that were welcoming. Mm. But at some stage, they're going to say, "Come on in, John. What, what can you offer? You know, what, what can yeah. you? How are you going to make us better?" And of course, then you had Steve Harrison, then as a, as, a, as a coach yeah. as well. I mean, what, what's Steve like? Yeah, just wonderful, wonderful man. Uh, really funny, really funny. Like ridiculously self-deprecating you know I mean, he would just do so many silly things that that actually when you explain it it, it sounds pathetic you know you'd, he'd walk up you'd have his worm wriggling around in his mouth and he'd say hey john what i think you got to do you got to bend your run and his worms coming out of it you know <laughs> steve or he, he just he, but what he was he, he was very caring so he would take me out uh before training um to try and polish up the rawness of my game so he'd, he'd mm. be running down the left wing crossing it in i'd be trying to finish just into an empty net then he'd run back get another ball and do it again and this was before even training started so we had half an hour one-on-one he would give me a stern word sometimes if if i was if i didn't believe in in, in maybe where my opportunities were going to lie mm. um and he very much was the softer side to, to bruce's edge you know bruce yeah uh, would, would join in training sometimes. If he had the ump, wow, he would just go after players, you know, and really, you know, let them know that he, you know, he was going to, you know, <laughs> take him out. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess, you know, you, you hear players of the past sort of talk about Bruce Rioch and his management style and he was very kind of disciplined. And I mean, did, do you feel that kind of benefits a player or does, in some ways, it kind of makes you sharp, it makes you honest, you know, you've got to perform, yeah. you've got to be on, on time and do all these things, and make sure you're clean shaven and whatever. But, how part of that do you feel is is needed in the game as a, as a youngster at the time? Do you feel that was something you needed in order to kind of give you the right sort of path, or do you feel it a bit too much? No, I, I, I found it tough. But I remember we went down to uh, Devon uh, towards the end of the first season. We we was in, we knew we was in the playoffs, and we went for a little break. And I think I lost a bit of form or and I wasn't sure whether it was my fitness or what you know but I was going to play in the, in, in, in the first playoff game against Brighton and, and again Bruce took me a couple of evenings because he was down there you know, residential and, and, and did some extra conditioning work with me and he was talking to me as a father to son almost you know now right. yeah you know he, so I, but he was I, I saw sides to him where he, he could be quite aggressive uh, on the on the training field or in, or in the dressing room mm. um but he was obviously maybe under pressure as well, you know, and so it it wasn't a style that I maybe was used to, um, but maybe he felt that was what was needed to, to to knock the team into shape. And fundamentally, it was a very good season they had, you know, to finish, I think we finished third, mm. you know, just at the wrong game at the wrong time, Brighton away in the playoffs. Of course. Uh, we'll, we'll come on to that. Uh, sorry. sorry, Mark, go on. Oh, I just want to say just about that that Brighton game because I do I do remember that game and being at that away end at home for that game and I remember we went one 0 up in that that game and thinking to myself again and then we just kind of imploded uh, and lost four one that match um, and then obviously the the second game we played at home and I know that you know you 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 start that game as well we we unfortunately we lost that one two one also but. Uh, do you remember much about those two games and how what happened with the team and what yeah. like you know because we we I think we were kind of favourites to win that over the yeah. two games. Yeah, we, we I think we we'd beaten Brighton at home definitely. We might we might have beaten them away in the yeah. league. Uh, yeah. So we would. Uh, I think I, I I remember we went one nil up. I 
we had a free kick. I scored a goal from a free a header from a free kick, and it was disallowed for a foul, which would have made it two 0 And it wasn't a foul, but it, it never got given. But the atmosphere was like, like, like a carnival, right? Yeah. Um, and it just became a really yeah. scrappy open game, and it suited. They had big Mike Small up top. They had Robert Codner running from midfield, and they just seemed to gain legs and get galvanised. And suddenly, every time there was going through, Smallie was flicking it on, and someone was running onto a knockdown. And they're in on goal, you know. And I guess we was a team over 46 games that would win more than we would lose, and you know had a, a certain style. But it, and it never, we, you know, both times probably when I played in the playoffs, we wasn't suited to the playoff format. We were suited to 46 games league format, where more often than not we would win, you know. So it was the cup finals didn't work out in our favour. Mm. Going back to the start again at Millwall, John. Um, yeah. Obviously. You signed. Uh, it took a little bit of time before you got your your, your debut. Your debut did come, and true to Bob Pearson's promise, yeah. it was on Boxing Day, so a day after yeah. Christmas. But you could argue it's Christmas anyway. And um, it was a game, I believe, against Leicester. You come on as a substitute. Yeah. 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 How, how did that feel as a young man, sort of coming out, you know, playing for Millwall against Leicester, big big club, uh, making that appearance? We actually won that game. Instead, I think we might have won two 0 I think that game. Yeah. It. It was really uh, surreal. I'd, I'd been on the bench quite early in September, September, October. Me and Kenny uh, Cunningham mm. sat on the bench. We didn't get on. Uh, I, don't know, I don't know whether Bruce did it just to introduce us to the first-team squad and, and how things operate. Uh, and it was only two or three games, home and away. And then we went back to the reserves. And, I, you know, it was a Christmas period, so... Uh, I don't know what Bruce Bruce must have been planning a change or whatever or you know but anyway he he said to us right you're going to be traveling over you're going to stay overnight with the first team on Christmas Day stayed at the, the Royal Lancaster wow. I shared a room with Mick McCarthy and then we we drove back to the stadium for the for the game on Boxing Day and I was on the bench you know and Bruce would always come in before an hour before kickoff and, and uh, the team sheet would go up and the subs, he wouldn't really do a team talk. You'd, that'd be it. And you'd, you'd scan down and you'd see, oh, bloody on the bench. Great. Um, and, you know, I didn't expect to get on because I hadn't done previously. But, yeah, maybe the game was a comfortable one and, and came on. And it was a, it was just a, everything becomes alive. Your you're, you're whole uh, senses, you know, the noise of the crowd running around. You, you hear yourself breathing. You, mm. You're trying to process what's going on in the game. And it was so quick and, before I knew it was over, I think I got 15, 20 minutes. And then we had another game, I think, I came on at half time, I think. And then, uh, then I, I think, my, my, I don't know, there was a game, must have been the game between that and Port Vale. It was, and Port Vale was the, on New Year's Day, wasn't it? Yeah. So it was a game, we, we won against Port Vale 2 0. Uh, goal scorers that day was uh, a Mr. Teddy Sheringham and a Mr. John Goodman. But John Goodman also got an assist. For a telly show, I believe. And if you uh, wait just there, we've actually got some footage here. So please ap apologise for the uh, the audio of some of these recordings. But um, I'm going to play this now. Now, guys, if you're listening on a podcast, unfortunately, you won't be able to uh, to watch this, but you can listen to the audio. And guys, if you are on YouTube, you'll be able to watch this. So play up at Vale Park in the Potteries. Port Vale, a lively side on their own ground in particular this season. And causing problems from the start. John Goodman, though, a highly promising game for Millwall, setting up a goal for Teddy Sheringham. 
Goodman himself in for a super second. The visiting supporters, damp but happy, despite a few alarms at Brian Horn's end. Good way to start the new year, victory at Vale Park. How amazing is that? So, John, look, looking back uh, at your, that, your your first goal for for Mill, sorry. I mean, the, the composure to take that to take that goal. Was that on your on your left foot as well? I think you sort of dinked it past the keeper. I mean, do you remember that? I mean, how much is that in your memory? So, do you actually remember that moment? I mean, we're going oh, yeah. back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like you can take yourself right back. I, I, um, I had a, an issue as a striker because um, all my life, I, as a growing up, I was a midfielder. And only when I went right. to uh, Leighton Wingate, uh, non-league football, they stuck me up front because I was pretty quick. So I wasn't a natural finisher, a natural goal scorer. So, you know, and again, that's why Harry, Steve Harrison, spent a lot of time working with me. Um, and what you see with that goal there is actually it, it worked in my favour because I was quick enough. The goal is coming out, but he has to spread himself. So you knew if you could lift it, you know, as long as you make good contact, you, you, you know, you're gonna you can lift it over and score. So it, it happens in a, in a fraction of a moment. Um, but you you know, it was just the, the, the perfect way to, to to make your debut. You know, and it, like I, I I wouldn't say I was brilliant my left foot, but even you know when I was dribbling, I would quite comfortably use left, right, left, right, whatever, just to keep the ball ticking. So I had a bit of confidence with my left foot, and you know, scored a couple of decent goals with it as well. Fantastic, brilliant, and of course that that season as we amazing about that. What's amazing about that? Sorry, Mark, you got a bit of a bad feed there. Can you hear me? Okay, um, that that season we finished fifth in the uh, in in Division Two, which is obviously was the, the second tier at the time, and uh, unfortunately we didn't quite get the results we needed against playoff um, uh, contenders uh, Brighton at the time. Um, that season in particular, obviously, you, you know, we, we, we mentioned about Teddy Sheringham. He was scoring goals for fun, wasn't he? You know, and I think he scored it, 38 goals that season. That's right, yeah. Um, I mean, how did it feel, you know, for, for you as a youngster playing alongside Teddy Sheringham? I mean, surely you must have learned quite a lot from him. I mean, what's the main things you kind of picked up on? What, what did you, do you think you kind of changed your game anyway whilst you were playing with him? Uh, yeah, he... he... I was very lucky that Paul Goddard, Malcolm Allen, mm -hmm. and Teddy, the three really technically strong strikers. Now, my strength was not technical ability. My strength was my running uh, and my energy. Uh, but, of course, I wanted to improve my technical ability. So sometimes, you know, we'd do some finishing and, I, and I'd partner with Teddy or partner with Malcolm. And just Teddy's heading of the ball was like how he positioned mm -hmm. his body, he could jump, he could spring really well, you know, and he could hang in the air and he could, he could guide headers. And so, you, you know, you're just trying to copy his, 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 his movement, his body positioning, mm -hmm. um, albeit it's not something you can learn overnight. So what I, what I had to try to do was maintain my strengths and then tackle the weaknesses along the way. So, mm -hmm. um, and even during games, like I remember we played uh, Brighton at home. It was, I think it was Brighton at home. And I had a chance, and I, I side-footed it. And Ted went mad at me. He said, "What? We use this bit stronger." Said, you know, just just smash it, right? <laughs> so then I got another chance. I smashed it, and it went under the goal and went in. 
He's like, I told you that. Told, you know, so, you know, he, he, he was 25, 26 in the peak of his career. I was 19 at the start. Yeah. And I was able to just ride the quite his quality so i could you know he hid a lot of my my uh, my weaknesses i mean yeah let me tell you, i think we went two games without scoring we went down to bristol city away and it was an important game and uh <laughs> ted was having a bit of a confidence crisis because he hadn't scored for two games and remember one was walking out <laughs> he scored for that game you know <laughs> <laughs> you know he just but he scored headers free kicks penalties open yeah. play Brilliant. Yeah. So did he just sort of talk to you during the game? What sort of things he, did, he, did he kind of coach you as a, as a kind of more senior player? I guess. Do you remember those kind of yeah, conversations? Yeah, he, he, he would just try and steer me. Yeah, listen, he, Teddy was very much about his own game, but he also knew, yeah. I think, that if I was on my game, it helped his game. Yeah. So, yeah, it could be. You stretch the defense, wouldn't you? Your pace, yeah. you'll, you'll be on space, that. Uh, yeah. to, to hopefully, you know, find, you know, give him create some disruption for him to find space to score goals. And I, you know, help mm. a few assists with Teddy, as you saw even against Port Valve. I knew if I put the ball into certain areas, you know, more than likely he'll be there uh, and score. Yeah. So, no, he was, a, you know, it wasn't ongoing, like, ongoing commentary, but there'd be moments, come on now, get your breath, come on now, you know, stand here, don't do that, really? shoot, you know, whatever it may be. And it was just, yeah, you know, a real good senior professional, you know, playing and managing someone else's game as well. Yeah, excellent. So, of course, he, he, he then leaves. Naturally, yeah. next season, um, you've got to find someone who's going to replace the 38 goals that he yeah. scored the season yeah. before, which, which couldn't have been easy. And uh, subsequently, um, it, was, it was a tough season. I mean, obviously, we finished lower in division that time. I think we finished at 15th um, yeah. at the time. And I guess it was, it was part of a rebuilding programme again for the following season. Obviously, you've been more at the forefront of it this time. You're no longer the, the youngster sort of you're coming off and being an impact player, you're getting more starts, more games. And uh, dare I say, kind of, they were a lot more reliant on you as well. Um, but there were some great players at the time. So I'm talking about the, the sort of 92, 93 season. You look at the likes of, you know, Jamie Morley coming in, for example. You had um, Malcolm Mann, et cetera, still there and, and, and Alex Ray. But you were obviously more in the frame there uh, as, as a forward. How do you felt it went... You know that season for you being looked upon more sort of senior sort of player, I guess, or someone who's more of a sort of first team regular. Yeah, it, it we finished the season. Uh, Teddy had been sold. Mm. Bruce Rioch rung me up and I just come back from holiday. Said, Come in to see me at the office. Went to see Bruce. He said, You know, it's an important season for you now. You're going to be an important player for us. Uh, so you, you just make sure you're right, have a good pre season. Um, which I thought, you know, uh, was quite. Uh, uh, a good sign, but also a hell of a responsibility. You know, I, I wasn't Teddy. Um, so anyway, uh, we, I, we started pre-season. We were, you know, I was in and around the team, but I just wasn't, I didn't have Teddy as my partner. You know, we'd signed John Calhoun, we signed Mark Falco, we, we signed, I think, John McGinley as well. So mm. I was in and around it, but I think Bruce was unsure what, what his best two was going to be. Probably Colquhoun and Falco, I think, might have started the season. John McGinley might, I can't remember. He really liked John McGinley. Um, mm. And then we went to Rex and played a pre-season for any played against Chris Armstrong. Chris was, was phenomenal. He, he tore us apart. So he signs Chris as well, who's very quick <laughs> and very direct, similar to myself. So yeah. suddenly, and uh, you still got Malcolm Allen there. So suddenly I've got, we've got five or six strikers and I fell away during that, 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 that second season. I, I, 
end up not even making it onto the, the bench for the reserves sometimes, you know. So it was a very steep drop, fall. Uh, but I needed that to that dip to kind of relearn and, and become a more reliable player. Um, and Mick McCarthy was good in them moments of he used to call me the invisible man or the forgotten man. He said, where's, you know, where's Goody? You know, he's, he's like he, Christmas do. He bought me a book, the invisible man, because I wasn't even training with the first team. And, and he, you know, I probably had earned some trust amongst them guys where I'd had a good first season. So, mm. um, it's an ultimately, remember we were Portsmouth away and we got beat heavy. And I think there was a banners saying Bruce out and he got the sack and Mick took over and we was in a little bit of a wobbly spell, but Mick steadied the ship and we ended up finishing the season. Okay. Uh, and then Mick, obviously, next thing he sold Chris Armstrong, Jamie Morley comes in as, a, as, mm. as Jamie Makeway, as he used to call him. And, and again, Jamie probably taught me a little bit as well about he just had he was a proper street lad, Jamie, like South London boy, <laughs> larger than life, full of confidence. And I thought, ah, oh, oh, listen, an arrogance, whatever. I thought, I'm better than you, but he was doing well, mm. he was scoring goals. But I've, I've just got to simplify my game, I've just got to go and score some goals. And me and yeah. Jamie end up getting it off up front together and um, we had quite a good season. So in that transition again, when Mick McCarthy takes over, um, thinking back, you know, we're talking, what, 20-odd, 30-odd uh, yeah. years ago now, sorry. Um, I remember back then the, 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 the change of style in the way we were playing. We've seen the play with a little bit more fluidity. You know, we weren't so sort of rigid, we weren't so structured under Mick McCarthy. And I don't know what happened. Maybe you could explain what you felt was the difference when Mick McCarthy took over? Because it seems to be a lot more, I, I guess, I'm not saying you weren't disciplined, but you're allowed to kind of express yourselves a bit more. It was more free-flowing football. I remember just there's loads of goals being scored all the time and we were always playing on the front foot. What, what was the changes then, do you find, at the time? Yeah, we, we it ended up being quite a young side. And um, we, there's a, I think Glenn Hoddle must have been a manager at Swindon and they played, there was the only team really in, in the in the country that was playing a, a different shape to a traditional 4-4-2. So we, um, we played this diamond midfield shape. So it was a back, normal back four, uh, a, a diamond shape that would cause the opposition problems because there was no obvious wide person, but we seemed to have lots of players in the middle of the pitch. And if you had speed up top, you could stretch the pitch. So suddenly we could make the pitch quite a big area um, some very talented midfielders like Andy May came in, uh, Alex Rails is very good, Phil Barber had legs, Ian Bogey was a very good technician, uh, as well as Malcolm Allen playing just behind the front two or up front and how it, how it was mm. planning out. And then myself, Chris Armstrong, myself and McGinley or Morley and McGinley um, for up top. So, you know, we, we can't, and then what you had on the, the width was Kenny was a, Kenny Cullen was a, a very up and down fit boy so he, he, he offered the whip from the fullback and, and ben thatcher uh on the left hand side so yeah. yeah we had a real if you wanted to have a if you wanted to make it a physical game as in big pitch and you know we'll, we'll outrace you outwork you sort of thing, we could do that um mm. and that then we just seemed to stretch teams and score lots of goals you know we just it's we just interesting to say that john i mean yeah. I'll, I'll pick it up. i've got some some footage here to show you again so apologies um if the audio is too loud on this one, but uh, if it is, you might want to lower the volume down, listeners. But here's a, a game, Millwall against Watford, October 1993, where uh, John 
scores a hat-trick and a young Andy Roberts uh, is in the mix for the goal scorer. So have a look at this. The seven and a half hours of football without a single goal, Millwall ended their drought in style in October. The Lions began the month with a superb run of three successive victories, starting with a two-part drama against Watford. Barber with a header. Comes to Morley with a chance. Good save by Shepard. Roberts tries to hook it back. There's Goodman. John Goodman makes it 1-0 to Millwall. John Goodman in his first full game of the season gives the Lions the lead. There's Barber with the header. Ball breaks nicely. Sits up for Morley. Good save by Simon Shepard, but he can only parry it to Roberts. Roberts only gets half of it, but John Goodman is on hand. Keller. Long ball downfield. Oh, that's a mistake by Dublin. There's Goodman for his second. John Goodman makes it two for Millwall. Millwall two, Watford nil. It's Keller with the long ball downfield. Now, this is a real hash of it there by uh, Keith Dublin. And uh, it takes no second bidding for John Goodman to lash the ball in left-footed. Shepard then clears long downfield as Watford striving to get back into this game. But it's Millwall in possession once more. Goodman with the touch. Here's Pavir making great strides towards the goal. Pavir, can he go all the way? No, it's a penalty, is it? Referee is consulting with his linesman, is he? It's a free kick just outside the box. That one was close. Let's look at it again. Pavir, look at the pace he's got there. Three defenders around him, but none of them can get near him. Tackle comes in, and oh, that was close to being a penalty. Free kick then to Millwall, right on the edge of the box. Phil Barber is over it. Andy Roberts is there too. Barber with a shot into the wall. Roberts! Andy Roberts with his first goal of the season makes it Millwall 3, Watford 0. Superb strike from Andy Roberts. Here's the free kick from Barber. Comes back out of the wall and Roberts, right-footed from the edge of the box, makes it 3-0 to the Lions. Mark Beard then will take the throw. Finds Richard Huxford. Huxford turns well. Huxford through ball. Finds John Goodman in space now. Goodman with a chance for his hat-trick and he scored it. John Goodman returning to the side after injury has scored his hat-trick. It's Millwall 4, Watford 0. Here's Huxford and what a lovely ball that is. Goodman invited to get onto it. Round Simon Shepard and there it is side-footed into the empty net. Shepard then will clear long downfield. Watford surely now with just nine minutes remaining can only be looking for a consolation. And here's Lee Nogan perhaps with a chance to get one for them and he has. Lee Nogan scores for Watford. It's Millwall four, Watford one. There you go. I mean, what an amazing game that would have been there to, to, to play. I mean, getting a hat-trick. Uh, and, and I noticed there that was on the new den as well. I mean, yeah, you're probably one of the very few players that had the privilege of playing at the old den and and and, and the new den. So uh, I mean, what, yeah. what was that like? How would you compare the two stadiums? Yeah, it, uh, the old den was atmospheric. You know, it, it, it really was. And it it, it would, had, we had some good, real good times. It's very lucky the season, like not, not enormous gates. I remember playing uh, one that was upset out, uh, Arsenal in the, uh, in the League Cup in the second leg. We had, we had them at our place and, brilliant brilliant night you know um and it would lift you just you know because everywhere you was you you, you'd all, you could hear everything hear everything that's being said good or bad mm. and then 
we knew he was going to the new den. I was desperate to, to, to be ready to play uh, the first games at the new den, uh, but had a, a, a groin problem. So I uh, was having surgery. The first, I think the first stadium match was Rio Sociedad or something like that. And I was in hospital at the time. And so as it said there, it took me a little while uh, to get into the team. Uh, I didn't expect to, to start, I think, that, that day. I think John Kerr had started um, uh, up front. John Kerr coming from the States. And so mm. I, I, I didn't have that the traditional pre-match. I had a bacon roll and a cup of tea and drove in <laughs> really relaxed. And then Mick peeled me off and said, oh, you know, uh, you're going to start today, which is great. Uh, and uh, yeah, luckily enough, I, I scored very early on in the game. And you know, yeah, managed to get to get the three. So yeah, brilliant. brilliant, brilliant. brilliant. And of course, um, ET, um, it's yeah. Vivier. Um, you see him sort of making that run through the middle there. I mean, incidentally, I can't remember. Was that a sending off? I mean, that player brought him down right the edge of the box there, last man. I was thinking the same there. Yeah, I don't even. He must have got booked. I can't remember. But yeah, it, it. Yeah, it. Possibly there was enough bodies around it. To, to argue not, but yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was a rash challenge. He, I, I think they, it was Dean Oldsworth's brother, that David Oldsworth, and he, he was, <laughs> his head must have fallen off because it was three, four days chasing me and morally all day. Probably got the ump. <laughs> Don't blame exactly, but now it's, it's a great, great performance. And, and again, you know, just getting a hat trick as well must have been lovely. For any any striker could get a hat trick, I think, is, is a lovely moment. So, um, uh, and luckily for you, obviously, you, you've done that, you know, throughout your, your career a few, few times. Um, there's also another game I want to sort of talk about, which is um, a game uh, that was in October '93. Sorry, so over in January '94, we then play against Crystal Palace at yeah, uh, at yeah, home. New Year's yeah, New Year's yeah, Day. and this is a game where again you score, you're on a score sheet. Um, I believe um, Et scores and also um, Alex Ray as well. So. I'm going to just try and find that for you now. Just bear with one were cut down to size when they felt the full force of Millwall's power on New Year's Day. And now maybe Millwall can launch something. Alex Ray took it for one for Goodman to chase it. Goodman is through. John Goodman, one on one. Brilliant save. Martin turned it down the corner. I can tell you this is onside. Ray is onside. He's got the ball through to Vivier. Can he turn? Brilliant. Just needs that cross and he's managed it. It's going to be in there. It is. It's Goodman. 50 minutes gone, it was a brilliant piece of skill from Etienne Levere. No one had broken the deadlock. And the ball came down the right, raided superbly, found Bavia. Kept his head, he knew there was a chance, steadied, got it onto the left then, got it back onto the right again. And look at the precision of this cross, Martin has no chance. And Goodman gets up and heads and Martin has no chance. It's Millwall 1, Crystal Palace now. And the Lions are ahead, and now the atmosphere in the stadium is electric. Another middle corner, and our Palace are up against it now. Up goes Stevens. Vavia hits the crossbar! Is it in? It is! It is! And I think Vavia will claim that one for himself. Brilliant piece of uh, skill from the middle number eight. And middle of two up. The corner came in. It was the corner that did all the damage. Put Palace immediately under pressure. The header came forward in the end. It was uh, the number eight that did it. And that overhead from Bavir, it went in. And trying to clear it off the line was Barry, but it was already over. That was Etienne Bavir. And it's Millwall 2, Crystal Palace nil. The league leaders being beaten. Alex Ray, Goodman, scorer of the first goal. 
Committee turning with Chris Dunn. It's a penalty. It's a penalty. And Milner got the chance to go three ahead. Mitchell's turn just completely flat-footed young. You'll see this ball come in again. There it was. He completely turned his man. He was flawed. He was flawed. And there's no doubt that it was a penalty. Absolutely no doubt at all. Alex Ray, of course, will take the penalty kick and the chance to make it 3-0. Which he does. Alex Ray has done it. It's a fantastic time for Millwall. And not a very good time for the league leaders. He took it very quickly. And it's Wrightsville here at the Den. Marvellous stuff. Uh, unbelievable, brilliant. What was interesting, I picked up on on your um, your header there. That was very Teddy like, wasn't it? And, and you and you mentioned there about you know, yeah studying Teddy and, and learning from him. I mean, yeah, that leap from a standing jump was was, was awesome, wasn't it? From across from the hey, it, it was brilliant skill from ET to be fair. And it, you know you, what you learn over the years is if you just stand in and around the right areas. Then the ball will come to you rather than when I started out, you're trying to make things happen, you know, with good players around you. Yeah, so it was a it wasn't a great header, but I was in the right place. And you know, probably the, the, I thought that the head into to Dave Mitchell for the you know, and he's rolled uh, Eric Young really well there to win the penalty. So, yeah, yeah definitely heading was 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 improving. Uh, and the general my all round game, but I think on that day, Chris Armstrong was playing for uh, Crystal Palace as well. So, Chris right, had obviously yeah. moved on. So yeah, it was, a, it was a really nice game for us. Uh, to, like, me and Chris were, were good friends when we was at New all together, and uh, yeah. we'd often talk about you know what, what what may lie in the future. So yeah, to see him, uh, thankfully we got we got one over him that day. Brilliant, excellent. And you, and you mentioned there as well, Dave Mitchell. You know, big big Dave Mitchell. I mean, what's yeah. he like to play with? You know, he's uh, someone who, again, I guess he, he, you can argue you could say he was, he was also a crowd favourite at the Den. Mill fans seem to like his 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 energy and his attitude. All action, yeah, all action. Um, mm. Clever, clever player. Like as you saw with that penalty, he, he used his body really well. Was very quick off off the mark. Mm. Um, didn't want prolific as a goal scorer, but would contribute with goals. Um, and a great guy, you know. I remember him at Swindon. He played against us, and he played in that in that diamond formation as a, as a Swindon player. And it was really mm. difficult to play against. So, you know, when we signed him, we knew we had got a good one. Brilliant, excellent. And you mentioned there Eric Young as well. Was he marking you that day, Eric Young? Or was he marking? I think he was, actually, looking at the, I, I, I see um, Richard Shaw, Eric Young, yes. I feel like Chris Coleman as well in there, and I think Nigel Martin in goal. I mean, I remember. Mm. In the first half, you, you showed it there. I had, a, I had a chance on through, and it's on my weaker, on my left side. I end up coming back onto my right, and it was a good save from Nigel Mike. But probably, you know, Mick that that week he pulled me and he said, "You you, you should have, you know, you should have struck it your left foot." You know, so again, is there's all within the games. There's always learning, you know. Yeah, exactly. So so um, the season before that one, we narrowly missed out on a playoff place. We finished um, seventh in the league, um, but that season in particular. Um, yeah, was was a, a pretty sort of um, decent um, season for us. We made it to the playoffs again, the 93 94 yeah. season, yeah. and um, we lost in the playoffs uh, against Derby. So that yeah. was uh, 2 0 away. And I believe, did we lose 3 1 at home or the way around? I don't know how it worked now, but it was 2 0 away. Um, and I, 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 again, I'd had a, a few injury issues, uh, but missed, I missed a couple of games, got myself mm. fit. For the Derby away game, and I think we fancied ourselves so again. I think we had a good record against Derby, but and it's a peculiar thing whether it's right or it's wrong. If 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 you finish third and you're playing six, you go away yeah. first. So yes. 
I don't know whether in hindsight you're better off being at home first and hopefully building a yeah, that's score that, you can defend. The win, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, you're right. That's yeah. true, actually. It happened, happened twice for us where we, we, we went away first and mm. the, the, the game, the game, the second game was already away from us. But yeah, we was poor on the day. Um, they had some good players, Derby, no doubt about that. Gabby Adini, I think, was a striker. Yeah, mm. possibly uh, Paul Kitson as well. Um, yes. So, yeah, they had. Again, for a cup final, they probably had the the, the better jokers in the pack. Possibly, the, the, I didn't play in the game at the den. Um, I think we had a goal mm. up in that, but it was they always carried a, a real big goal threat um, with you know with particularly Gabby Adini, you know, terrorising our, our defence. So yeah. yeah, and then it all just got really messy, and you know, not not one to yeah. remember too much. It, during that sort of 93, 94 sort of period, you, you, you touched on about Ben Thatcher breaking into the team. Also, we mentioned Andy Roberts. There was also yeah. Mark Kennedy, um, yeah. who was yeah. breaking through at the time. And these are really good youngsters, good, talented youngsters coming through. I mean, you, you weren't too much older than them, them yourselves, but you were also looked upon, looked up as a, as a senior member of the team. So what about these, these three lads coming through? What did they have coming through the middle youth system that you felt that made them so good and, and go on to even bigger and better things. Yeah, well, when Bruce Rock became manager, he made some really good appointments uh, from a staff perspective. Obviously, Ian, Ian Evans came in, uh, also Steve Harrison, uh, who was England coach at the time. Ian Evans came from Palace and uh, Ian was a very good coach for the reserves, ended up assisting Mick when Mick got the job. Um, and Tom Wally came in to take the youth team. And Tom had been at Watford, I think. And Tom, fiery Welshman, um, tough 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 man you know and he would place a lot of demands physically on the players and you know with tom you'd always the younger pros myself chris armstrong kenny come we'd come back a, a couple of weeks early uh before pre-season was about to start and work with tom for a week or two weeks because he'd, he'd knock you into shape so when the pros were back he was already ahead of the game so i think that definitely mill throughout its entirety and it's still now You've got to have a, a an edge to you, you know. You've got to have a, a bit of toughness uh, that that Tom would instill into you, and you know the fans would expect of you. And you know, Thatch, Andy, Mark Kennedy, but people like Tony Dolby, who's you know I think lived on the old Kent Road, uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, other young lads as well that were in and around it. So we was mm. it was funny. We'd play old versus young, and probably the, 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 the youngest old would be about 22, 23. You know, it, it was a very young young squad, and then yeah. I think Mick would. Occasionally, you know, we had Pat Vandenhauer, Terry Herlock. Yeah, uh, yeah. Stevens was probably still around at that stage, Rhino. Um, mm. You know, he, he mixed up with, say, Dave Mitchell as well. So there was there was some experience in amongst it. Um, mm. Andy May again, and, and, and Malcolm was still, I think Malcolm might have gone to Newcastle or not, I can't remember. But, yeah, it was a, mm. it was a good blend. Um, but, of course, there was, a, I guess, the, the, the other side of the coin was – the better younger players are always going to get picked off by other clubs as well. Yeah. You, you touched on about uh, Ryder there, Keith Stevens. I guess, was he your captain during that, that period of, of most of that, that time when you were there? I mean, what was he like yeah. as a, as a person, as a player, as a leader, how you describe him? Unique, unique. Um, um, I, when I was at Bromley and, you know, they, they said, oh, you know, I'm going to go and make a sign for Mill. Um, they said, ah, oh, John, you just got to run around and kick people like Rhino. They, they love Rhino. He, he just boots everyone, right? <laughs> so, okay. And then you meet Keith or Rhino and a really caring guy, really supportive, um, very much about team. And 
uh, would take us out Tuesday nights or Tuesday afternoons after training. It would end up being Tuesday nights and Saturday nights after games. Uh, you'd always want um, to have some fun, you know. And mm. But when you train, you train properly. I remember we was in the playoffs, I think it was the first year, rightly or wrongly, he'd, he'd already he'd booked a holiday. So Bruce had given us a bit of time off before the Brighton game. And Rhino landed that morning. He was, I think he was still drunk. Turned up at training, and we're doing all these shuttle runs. And every after every shuttle run, Ryan was throwing up on the side of the pitch. You know, it's just, <laughs> but yeah. he, you know, listen, it, it wasn't the most professional you could argue. But what we were, we would go the go the whole way for each other. You know, he, mm. he created a real good spirit, and he, he used to tackle with his forearm, Ryan. So he, 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 he'd looking at the ball, he'd smash someone in the face, you know. <laughs> And get away with it, and then he's going to hold his head. And you know, he just had such a clever way of speaking. What, what was he like in training with you? I mean, I'm sure you, you must have had games where you're up against him in training. Was he as, as physical in training as he was in matches, or did he kind of give you a bit he, of a breather? He says, me, John, don't run around too much in training. Do you know what I mean? He, he didn't really. Mick, Mick would boot me. Mick would again, if really, he, he didn't care if he was losing, and then say, us young uns, we, you know, we're a bit disrespectful, we start taking the piss and olaying it, whatever mm. else. Suddenly, he's he pulled down the back of my calf and the Achilles and he's smashing it. Oh, God. But it kept you sharp, you know? So, yeah. you know, you just, yeah, you, you, it was, um, there were some good guys there. Yeah, it really was. Brilliant, brilliant. Um, there's there's a, a game that I want, I want to play to you, which is um, back in January 93. Um, so it was Mill against um, Brentford. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the old end. The, the, the old end, yeah. yeah, the old yeah. end. And um, there was a certain Mr. Morley who, yeah, I don't yeah. remember, he, he, <laughs> yeah, he nicked the goal. Now, we, we, we'll watch it in a second. I, I want to ask you afterwards, you know, do you think that ball would have gone in had uh, had, had Morley not, not, not tapped it in at the end? I'll have to watch it back. Uh, oh. Because I, I, I scored two, I wasn't that bothered, you know. But yeah, yeah, yeah listen, I would have done the same. I well, it, well, the same. Let's let's take a look and let let the uh, let, let the listeners and and the uh, the fans watching this make their decision on it. So this is a uh, this is Millwall against Brentford. Brentford, sorry, uh, January '93, and uh, here we go. Barber and a powered header in there. 24 minutes. 
And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And a 
great run by uh, Andy Roberts. Such a powerful young man. Morally hitting it against the post. This is it now from behind the goal. It's dinked in again here. You're not missing anything on the field at the moment, let me tell you. Goodman's header again cleared off the line. And Morley just puts it right. Now here comes Millwall again. Morley! Brilliant, brilliant game, brilliant game. Again, me and I have to ask a question. Do you remember those, those sort of games? Do you remember those moments? Yeah, it, it, we had a, a lovely spell of, firstly, it was a great time uh, from a television perspective, I think, because there was an issue with the, the Premier League, Division you know, Division 1, whatever, I think it must have come to the Premier League. So we was on the big match, match of the day, uh, or sorry, big match on a Sunday quite regularly. Uh, mm. But And it seemed to bring out the best in us. We would score a lot of goals. Remember that day, and it was funny because Gary Plissett scored for uh, Brentford and Marcus Gow was mentioned. Both became Wimbledon players, so we ended up at, at Wimbledon together. Right. So <laughs> hammering them about that day, <laughs> inquiry. But it was, it was, it, as you said. I mean, Alex Ray was just outstanding that day. You know, was he playing right back that day? John, was he was he playing right back? That's from number two no, shirt. I think Eddie Roberts might have been right back, and Alex might have been right side of the diamond. He might right. Have been in, in midfield, but breaking from midfield, you know, he just um, he had a you know, real s strong forward runner, Alex, with the ball, and you know, could shoot off either foot. Mm, mm, excellent. And and um, also, I mean, what I noticed there was the relationship there. I mean, with you and Jamie Morley, you know, I mean, I'm sure you got on well with all your striking partners, but you could just sort of see there in, in the goal celebrations, you know, the fact he was kissing your forehead and hugging you, and you know, you're congratulating him on his goals and vice versa. I mean, did you feel you had that kind of Good relationship with Jamie, both on and off the off the field. Yeah, we would go out occasionally. Uh, you know, he'd, he'd, he'd take me to, to various parts of South London to see the nightlife. <laughs> um, he was, yeah, he was. He kind of was um, really in the moment. Jamie, he was a you know he'd come from Crystal Palace, uh, which mm. is difficult for anybody coming from Palace in, into Millwall, and he just hit the ground running, and you know. He, there was a real healthy com competition amongst us as well. I wanted to score more goals than him. No doubt he wanted to score more goals than me. Um, mm. But more of, more importantly, we wanted to be successful. We was we, we was ambitious young men, you know. And then mm. you've got, like you say, Andy Roberts, who might have been 18 or 19 in the side. And like, people like Mark Beard would come in and out as well. So, you know, mm. it was um, a very young, uh, I guess, together group. You know, it really was together. 
and very hungry as well with that with that youth and that and that kind of yeah. young young mentality everyone, everyone wants to develop everyone wants to prove themselves don't they, they all want the uh that the, the, want, want more want to achieve more i guess you know yeah um, and, and, the fans, and the fans would you know that you know not uh in a like in a, the fans were in a demanding way you know there was an expectation hmm. you know that we were They've been in the in the first division. There was still, you know, a legacy of that, and you know, we saw mm. some very good players. So the expectation that we should be competitive, and you know, it, it, we did. We had a real, real good good few seasons there. Yeah. Also, I couldn't help but notice that the shirt you were wearing at the time—that was the old uh, Fairview kit, which which yeah. I quite liked at the time. During your time at Millwall, was there ever a favourite kit that you you liked? Or was you had the Lewis from Council one, the, the Fairview, the Captain Morgan? What was one that you? Guess I really like Captain you know. Morgan for some reason. I, I don't. I don't know except that was also when we'd gone to the new den. So it, yeah. I enjoyed playing at the, the old den, but also the, the new den was creating, a, I guess, a different level of expectation on us. It felt like the club was making forward mm. steps, you know, and um, the, the kit was a little bit tighter and a little bit, you know, I guess, more stylish, mm. possibly. I don't know. Yeah, interesting. Your point you say there, because I remember back at the time, it did feel like. Not saying we weren't good enough to have that stadium, but it, it certainly felt that wow, this is where we want to be. This, this is this is a great intent by the club. It shows where we where we want to get to, and uh, I think even now, you know, you, you look back, you know, God knows how many years it's been since that stadium's been built, and yeah. you still look at, you still think, so you know what, this is a nice stadium. Yeah, when you For compare sure. it to other stadiums, like I've been to a few, you know, over the last sort of few years away way grounds, you get some real real bad stadiums. Even now, you know, and there's no improvement really made to it. We are quite fortunate to have um, what, what we have at the moment. So, um, yeah, it's, it's it's nice that, I guess, again, back to what I said earlier, that you played in the old den and the new den. Yeah. It's yeah. quite unique. You're quite lucky to have that that, that honour, I guess, yeah. in some ways. You know? um, so that, that season, obviously, I'll go back in, in time again. So we're going forward now to 94-95 uh, season. So oh, this yeah. would have been the season where, I think it's your last season at, at Millwall, is that right? Uh, yeah, we finished right, 13th. Yeah. Yeah, we finished thirteenth in that one. Um, before we talk about your move to, um, to to Wimbledon, do you remember your last game for Millwall? Do you remember who it was against? Yeah, I think it was Swindon. Swindon away. It was, yeah. And do you remember scoring that game? Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. I think <laughs> do you want to see it? Yeah, I didn't like the celebration actually, but yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, so I managed, I managed to retrieve a very, very small section. Again, apologies for the video and, and the visual here because it's not great. We're going back 30 years, aren't we? So um, if I can just play this to you, it's very, very short, but you get to see uh, your, your goal, which is most importantly. And also young young Mark Kennedy on, on the score sheet as well. So here we go. Surprisingly took all three points. The stalemate in the first half was broken in the second thanks to John Goodman. The second goal was one Fraser Digby will want to forget. He showed too much of the ball to 18-year-old Irishman Mark Kennedy and he promptly dispatched it into Digby's goal. When Scott was tugged down in the penalty area, Swindon were given hope. Bodin converted the spot kick, but the home record had disappeared. I love that funky music as well at the back. That's, uh... But no... Uh, well... <laughs> What what way to go out? So it's lovely to kind of end on a high with a win, and again a yeah. goal as all, all good strikers do. They all enjoy scoring goals. So um, 
how, how did that feel? I mean, at, at the time, I guess, was was the sale agreed at that, that moment or was that sort of slightly before? I mean, how did the sale come about, you joining Wimbledon? Yeah. When was the first you knew about it? I think, yeah, because it's funny how your emotions go back 30 years, but they're still vivid. So I'm pretty certain it was a bit of a tinge of sadness, uh, that game, because I, I, I think I'd met an agent on the Thursday or the Friday leading into the game on the Saturday. And he said that uh, there's a strong chance that Wimbledon were going to make a, a bid for me. Um, bizarrely, Andy May was in the car with Mick McCarthy uh, and, and Joe Kinnear had rung Mick up uh, when I was travelling to a game or something to ask about me as well. So, they, you know, like word, there's no secrets yeah. in football. So Andy was like, oh, goody, I think Mil uh, Wimbledon are going to sign you. Um, the agent confirmed it, but nothing, Mick hadn't said anything. So it was only, we played the game on a Saturday went into training on the Monday and still nothing had happened. So I thought, oh, you know, maybe it's not. And then um, I think the agent rang me and said, oh, you know, have you heard from Mick? Has Mick said anything? No. I said, no, not, not, not. He said, well, he's going to call you later today. Rest assured, you, you're going to go meet uh, Wimbledon. And then, uh, lo and behold, a few hours later, Mick rang me up uh, and he always called me Elvis. He said, hey, Elvis, <laughs> uh, are you sitting down? Uh, we've agreed a fee for you and Kenny to go to Wimbledon. He said, have you got an agent? I was like, yeah, he says, oh, I said, he said, who is it? I said, oh, whoever it was. He said, uh, okay, um, he'll, he'll, no doubt he'll, he'll, he'll sort out the details. So I think we met the agent. So me, Kenny then <laughs> rings me panicking because he, he, he don't want to move. Ken does not want to go to Wimbledon, right? And mm -hmm. I'm more, I guess, hard-nosed about it, thinking it's Premier League football. We've, mm -hmm. we've, we've had a good run at Millwall. You never know when his opportunity is going to come along. Out of choice. Was it going to be Wimbledon? No. I, I, there was other clubs maybe in the Premier League, but you don't get that luxury of choice. Yeah. So uh, we meet, I meet Kenny at Shooter's Hill. We meet the agent. We drive to St. John's Wood, uh, following the agent, go to Sam and Mam's house and Joe Kinnear's there, the manager and Sam and the agent. And they, they whisk us upstairs. And there's a game, I'm watching this game of football in Sam's house. And they're all talking downstairs about the, the financials. And then the agent comes up, says, right, we're going to go downstairs. We're going to politely decline and we don't say anything, right? We go downstairs, politely decline, and then Joe Kinnear's put in her face saying, what's the fucking matter? You can't you speak for yourself, right? So like, well, I've been told not to say anything, you know? And he's like, well, if you don't fancy it, don't come type of thing. And I was like, well, really? I'm just being wow. by, by the agent. He said, well, and Sam was more like, you know, if you guys don't feel you're ready yet, then maybe we'll come and get you at a later date, you know? But if you want to play against Aston Villa, next week then you got a sign for us wow. but the money financially it wasn't life-changing and although money then wasn't uh anywhere near the level it was now it, you know actually for for mill we was paid relatively well me and kendo so we didn't really want to leave um so we both agreed to stay uh then we go back into training the following day and mick's going mad he's like what are you doing here we said, well, we've not agreed anything yet. He said, no, 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 no. He says, you've got to go. He said, we we need the money. So I was like, oh, okay. Uh, nothing changed financially. Me and Kenny just said, oh, well, we'll, we'll go then, shall we? That, that, that kind of was it. So we, um, you know, it's a bit naive, really. Um, but we, we end up going back to Sam's house. John Fashion, who happened to be there, although Fashion had, had left and gone to Aston Villa by this stage, we then... I agree whatever we agreed and, and and the phone rings and it's Vinnie Jones welcoming us to the club and I think wow. we then 
went the following day and they played Aston Villa. And I think they we went in the little manager's room beforehand with Joe Kinnear and Ron Atkinson's in there and he's hammering his players and saying they're all shit and to go and watch the game. And I think they were a free one up and lose four three or something bonkers. It's a typical Wimbledon match, you know. And yeah. the next day Ron Atkinson gets the sack. So uh, wow. yeah, and then Ian Kenny made their debuts against um, against Newcastle a couple of weeks later. Bloody hell. Unbelievable. And of course, you're, you're, you're then fighting for a place up front yeah. against yeah. the likes of, you know, Dean Holdsworth, if, if had a yeah. cuckoo as well, some some big, big players there. I mean, how was that a bit daunting or did you sort of like want to embrace the challenge of, of getting into that side and getting to that team? Yeah, I didn't think Wimbledon would suit me because of the style of football and uh, very direct. And whilst I compete, I wasn't great in the air, you know, and... Um, you know, I was a little bit cautious or unsure about the whole thing, but, you know, like I said, you have to make it work. So um, when we started training, uh, we do normal like, training practices and I, they're thinking, these aren't very good. You know, they, 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 but as in Robbie Earl was not technically very good as a midfielder. I'd say Alex Ray was a far better player. Mm-hmm. But Robbie could break into the box, time his run perfectly and score a goal from a cross or a rebound or whatever. Robbie was a very good goalie. Mm. He gets 15 goals a season from midfield in the yeah. Premier League. So, you know, he was good in the air, weren't he, as well, from, from memory. He's quite agile yeah, in the air. Really, really good in the air. Yeah. Uh, someone like Alan Kimball, a left-back, I'd say Ben Thatcher was far better left-back defensively, but Thatcher could put the ball exactly where he needed to be on a set-piece, which is really important to Wimbledon. Mm. Dean Holsworth was a fantastic finisher. You know, he wouldn't necessarily have great movement, but he, he could finish off yeah. either foot with his head really well. So what you learned was that, right, I need to be really, really good at something here. And so, again, Mick Harford was a fantastic striker. FM was a really strong player. Dean Holdsworth, mm. Marcus Gale, Gary Blissett, Andy Clark. We had a lot of attacking mm. players. So you tried to nick a bit off of them all. And I was none of them things, but some of them things, you know. And mm. um, so, yeah, I, you know, I scored a few goals. but And probably my first... 18 months there was very good. And then, again, mm. I picked up injuries. Probably the physical demands of, of that style of play impacted me. And then I kind of fell by the wayside a little bit. I was going to leave and then got injured again and packed up. So it was just really bizarre. It just mm. didn't work in my favour, that one. Yeah. Sadly, we'll, we'll, we'll touch on your, your injury in a moment. But um, am I right thinking you might have played a small small part, you, you and Kenny, uh, Cunningham in Wimbledon signing Ben Thatcher, Andy Roberts, and, and Mark Kennedy. Is, is that yeah, true? Martin. Yeah, he Sam was um, a really interesting owner. You know, he'd be at the training ground quite a lot. When we signed, he took us to Sellers Park, and then he took us from Sellers Park to the training ground to meet the staff. And he, you know, he was in his car. He's making phone calls, introducing us to Ron Nodes on over his car phone, whatever else. He was a very um, passionate owner, and then he'd come to the training ground sometimes and have 300 quid in or you know, loads of 50s in his pocket. Come on, goody, penalty shootout, me against you, and I'll give you, you know, for 50 quid. And then he'd do it with another one for another 50 quid. And or sometimes he'd be at the change room before the game said, I've bet on you today, goody, I've had 50 quid on you first goal scorer. You better let better not let me down. So, <laughs> in the days when probably whether you, whether you was or not allowed to bet, but God knows, but um, yeah. so yeah, he was, he was a larger than life character. Um, and he would. He, he, so I guess he, he he felt he'd probably done a good deal with me, done a very good deal with Kenny. Kenny, did, Kenny. So he was like, who else is good at Millwall? Who can I go and get? And we'd like, okay, 
Can you get Andy Roberts? What do you need? A midfielder? Get Andy. Can you get you want a striker? Sparky had gone to, to Liverpool, world's most uh, the most expensive teenager at the time. Um, yeah. He ended up coming to us, and 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 as did um, as did Thatch, you know. So at one stage there was five of us there. Wow, excellent! And I guess that was a season that Mill got relegated again to would be would be the second division, which was the third tier. Um, so there's no surprise, you know, you 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 leave. Um, we, we get relegated. So, uh, yeah, cheers to that, John. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, it, yeah. yeah I, listen, off the back of it, two very, very, very good players came in. I remember uh, Kate, Timmy Cahill and uh, yeah. Yeah, like the striker at the time. I can't remember his name. Yeah, Irish Harris. Stephen Reid, maybe? Well, yeah, that's or, it. Uh, Reid and... Yeah, but there, there, there was one other, I can't remember, Sadler, Richard Sadler. Was a very Richard Sadler, player. of course, yeah, absolutely. Very, well, how did I forget him, yeah. A, a, a good young team emerged, and that sometimes happens out of necessity, yeah. you know, they, they went on a really good run again, so. Excellent. So, unfortunately, uh, in 2000, you get injured against Chelsea, I think it was. No, um, no it, it, it wasn't, sorry. Um, I, uh, it was Kenny who done me. Uh, it didn't mean to. We Really? What is this in, in training? Yeah, pre-season training. So we did a pre... It was, it was the day before we was playing Brentford in a pre-season friendly. I'd had a phone call on the way into the training saying, oh, Reading are going to make a bid for you. So there's a chance of going... And Reading, I think, just got into the championship. Mm. Um, we're training that day. It's a winning goal. I, I hit the winning goal. As I hit the shot, Kenny just bumps me from behind. I end up landing with a straight leg. It all wobbles and something pops. And oh, I collapse God. on the ground. I think, oh, that didn't feel too good. We go on a warm down uh, around the field. And I think, well, I kept falling over. And I think, oh, this my knee, something's gone wrong here. Mm. Uh, when it's see the physio, and he's like, he did a few assessments. He said, oh, I better check it again tomorrow. You won't be involved in the game. And then that was it. I'd done the ACL. And um, whilst it wasn't an injury, not always an injury, you know, a career ending injury, it, it, in my case, it was. I just didn't recover fully mm. from the surgery, had three or four different operations. Uh, Edgar Olsen became the manager of Wimbledon. Mm. I was not the player I, I once was because I couldn't really move too well. So I've made a few substitute appearances. I remember being on the bench a couple of times and almost hoping not to come on because my knee was just all over the place. Yeah. Uh, and then just made a decision, no, this is, this is you need to stop. Uh, obviously, it's, it's a shame, you know, because you, you're still relatively young. You, you're what, 29, yeah. 30 at the time? I think. Yeah, 28. 28 yeah. So you could argue, yes, you kind of reached a peak, but you, you know, some players say you don't even hit your peak till you're 29, 30, do you? So you're kind of mm. almost getting on that. So was there, was there no coming back? There's no way you, 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 you felt you could get back in sort of playing again, or was it literally you, you were told, look, that's it, that's the end? Well, I've been out for two years, over two years, and mm. I couldn't see a and I kept saying to the surgeon, right, I'll have, I, I don't mind having more surgery, yeah. but you've got to start guaranteeing some positive outcomes here because it's demoralising. Mm. It's not, you know, you have to surgery. It's not a, a, a week turnaround. You, it's, it's a month, mm. six months, eight months, nine months. And I just felt the game had got away from me or the game at the level I was mm. used to playing at had got away from me. Especially um, with, your, with your pace. And you, you've yeah. got a lot of your, your speed. Exactly. Equipment. I'm guessing that would play a part. Yeah, so it was... And I, as luck would have it, <clears throat> rightly or wrongly, I was doing a sports science degree uh, through the PFA, the Players Union, which was just around the corner at uh, Roehampton. Uh, mm. So we used to go there twice a week and study, end up mm. 
uh, graduating, as I packed up really, and just decided to go into into that world of, of sports science and try and help players um, have better careers and you know more successful careers. Excellent. So you, you have a job working for Reading, is that right? You were at Reading uh, as a sports yeah, science yeah, Wimbledon, uh, yeah. went to Palace, then to Watford, and then to Reading. Reading was a very successful couple of seasons there with Steve yeah. Coppel, where we uh, yeah, won the league and stayed in the Premier League. And is it true that you were part of Roy Sanchez's um, Northern Ireland yeah. uh, team for, yeah. for the year of 2008 as a conditioning coach, weren't you? That's right. So Laurie obviously had been the reserve team manager at uh, Wimbledon when I was there and um, got the Northern Ireland job. We um, He played the first game. We played a uh, qualifying campaign, Iceland at home. Had a couple mm. of Reading players playing. They beat us 3-0 in Belfast on a Saturday afternoon. It was awful. The fans were booing. It's horrendous. Then, and then we had Spain on the Tuesday or the Wednesday, and on the Sunday, um, on the Monday morning, the newspapers were full of like Keith Gillespie and David Healy and everyone, and the goalkeeper Roy Carroll had all been out on the razzle Saturday, oh. Sunday night. So Sanchez under severe pressure. Um, we end up drafting Johnny Evans, a young kid from Manchester United, into yeah. the team, and somehow we beat Spain. 3-2, Healy scores a hat-trick. Wow. Um, it was just the most amazing night in uh, in Belfast. And actually had a, quite a decent qualifying campaign. But it was only a, only a year. Um, yeah. Great experience. And then Laurie went on to manage Fulham after that. That's right. Brilliant. Excellent. And then after that, <clears throat> I'm looking at your sort of notes here. So in 2012-2013, you then, you then, you then a, a fitness coach for Nike Academy. What, yeah. what was that about? Yeah, I tell you what happened is really interesting. Along the way, I'd read in a lot of clubs that experienced a lot of players, mm. which you wouldn't necessarily assume, with uh, mental health issues, right. um, addictive behavioural problems, gambling mm. problems, just really unhappy. You know, strangely, mm. in a game that they should love. So we started mm. a company called Think Fitness, and we did a lot of work. Um, discreetly working with individual players privately. And then we started mm. building on that and uh, started working with uh, Red Bull as a sports brand. And then, you know, did some consultancy work with some clubs through uh, some uh, employees I had around mm. nutrition. And then that someone introduced me to Nike. And they wanted to run this global football academy. And they wanted to use this global football academy to uh, showcase all the best aspects of Nike. So it was a full-time residential program. We'd, we'd recruit from any about 30 countries globally. Wow. Um, but they'd be based in the UK, in, in, in St. George's Park in the end, in, in England. Um, mm. And we'd play Manchester United, Barcelona. We'd host tournaments. We'd travel to Paris Saint-Germain. We'd do this amazing... And they'd film it and be, create videos. We'd do training content and so on and so on. So, you know, mm. it's funny. Off the back of a, a small business idea, what, what transpires. Amazing. So, yeah. End up, we, we got a lot of lads into the professional game, uh, about 50 players globally, uh, some, in, some in the UK and elsewhere, and had some really good staff as well. So, yeah, it was a, I started off as a sports scientist or the fitness coach and helping putting the team mm. together and end up being the, the, or the coach. So I, went, uh, I moved into coaching then. Brilliant. And then, and then um, off that, you, you were then doing some sort of academy work, player development work for the likes of Notts County, Spurs. And am I right in thinking you also... Helped out Kenny Jacket and Millwall a little bit, didn't you? During, during yeah, the well, again, um, <clears throat> yeah, any uh, it's ever decreasing circles football. And I'd worked at, at Watford with some good people like Nigel Gibbs uh, and Ray Lewington, 
mm. and John Irma, who works for the FA now. And uh, I don't know how to come across Kenny, but anyway, Kenny rings me and says, oh, you know, can you help us out? I need to do some... Uh... He said, firstly, first of all, he said, can you just come and have a look at the lads? And it was towards the back end of the season. He said, come and see what's going on. And, I, and it was really hard because Ken wanted me to give him an evaluation of him. Yeah. So I go. I, I want, was this sorry, John? Was this is this for, for the physical or for the mental aspects? No, it, it was it was more about the environment um, right. and, and about. I think Ken was struggling to. He, he, he was he was throwing so much information at the lads because all he could see was problems, and mm. so I, I observed Kenny um, do a couple of matches, looting away, and I said, Ken, like we just been into. I said, I can see what you're doing. There's so many things wrong. You just mm. try, you're throwing everything out. And I said, but I think the lads are a little bit, you're bombarding with information. So I, I, maybe I built a bit of trust in him. He said, okay, great. He had uh, Joe Gallon as his assistant. Um, he said, come in and help out the preseason, which I did. Um, I had a brilliant time with people like Paul Robinson. Uh, Neil Harris was a player at the time. You know, some good senior, senior lads there. Alan Dunn mm. uh, from memory. And then he got some good loans in as well. And, you know, Ken's a no-nonsense, tell it as it is. We would, pre-season, we started training at seven in the morning. We would do a, a conditioning session with me till about half seven. We'd have breakfast. We'd then do football training till from 10 till whatever. And then we'd do another conditioning session in the afternoon. So it was tough. Steve, uh, Steve mm. Morrison was there as well. But we got him into shape and they had a couple of good years when I was when I worked with Ken. And then I, I, I kind of like other things came along. So I had to withdraw from that. But I used to come and watch the games. And, you know, there was a very good team to, you know, pretty direct, I say, under Ken. But he, he, he got success. Amazing, excellent, good stuff. Um, John, I'm conscious that uh, yeah. your, your dear dear lady, Mrs. Goodman, needs you to take her uh, do some errands and, and, and taxi service. I think, I think we're all right. I think we've got might have a, might have a five or she, she, she just right. she's going shopping first. So I might have a little bit longer. Okay. So what we'll do, we, we want to try and ram ram this in the last sort of 10, 15 minutes. Try and cram everything in. We want to go a very quick. Your one to eleven, your favourite Millwall team, and the, the rule is you have to pick yourself in the team as well, John. Um, yeah. I know I know players were asked to do this. They don't really like the idea of including themselves for some reason. I don't know why, but uh, I need you to do that. And also, I've got some q and I've got eight questions yeah. from fans here that I want to throw yeah. in at the end. So we can try and squeeze that in before you go. Uh, hopefully, Mrs. Goodman will uh, will be okay with that. So very quickly, what, what, what formation are you going for? Well, I've got to go for the, the favoured formation during my time, which was a 4-4-2 diamond, which has yeah. impacted uh, like someone like Jimmy Carter. As an out and out winger, so yeah, Jimmy, of course. Sadly, and he's a brilliant player, but I didn't play too long with Jimmy. So hopefully, he, and he went to Liverpool and Arsenal and etc. So I'm sure he'll, he'll forgive me that one. It's a nice honourable mention that you mentioned Jimmy anyway. So I'm sure yeah. he'll, be, he'll be very pleased to hear that. So who who you got in goal then? Well, again, I've gone Casey Keller. Um, yeah. Although I must mention Brian Horn, Keith Brannigan, and Aidan Davison, all very good. But Casey, I think, was. You know, at best, he was he was a very very good goalkeeper for yeah, us. Yeah. Great great choice. Again, great honourable mentions to the others there who yeah. we've also sort of played with. Um, I'll tell you, go for it for a back four. Yes, um, we can go. Where do you want to start? Right back, left back. How do you want to do it? Okay, I'm gonna. I, I, I just get caveat. The the, the, t the selection is based upon uh, players that I think the fans would like to see playing. All right, so there's yeah. a little bit little bit of toughness there. Um, so, yeah. it, it, but hopefully it'll make sense. So, I've gone Rhino yeah. at right back, Keith Stevens. Okay. Which we we did in, in the earlier, earlier times. Yeah, so it, uh, early right years, right back rather than him at centre back. And, I, and so yeah. it enables me to put Kenny Cunningham at right side in centre back, you see. Now, again, oh, that's interesting. Argue, 
Yeah, but Kenny, I think, was a better player at centre-back, believe it or not. At centre-back. Because yeah. interesting, towards the end of his career, he became a centre-back, didn't he, as well? Right. A bit like, like Rono did. So very similar in that sort of way. Yeah, yeah so uh, yeah. interesting. Who would you have alongside um, Kenny at the back then? Well, this is a bit of a curveball, and you might not... But I, I want some tough cookies in my team, right? And whilst Colin Cooper was a very good left-sided centre-back, I'm going to go for Pat Vandenhout. Brilliant choice. I like that one. Yeah. yeah Pat, was a, Pat was a real good player, although he only had a year or two of us. Strange lad, but yes. a tough cookie. But I can give honourable mentions to Alan McCleary and Steve Wood. But again, that was Absolutely. in my early years. But yeah, Absolutely. Pat Vandenhout. And then I've got Brilliant. Ben Thatcher at left back. So I've got a tough, Brilliant. apart from Kendo, who's the, the soft one amongst them. So well, if I was a yeah. forward, John, I, I wouldn't want to play against yeah, you wouldn't want to play against that you know, I'd be lucky to have my, uh, my ankles, my Achilles at the end of it, yeah. But uh, Ben Thatcher's my favourite left back uh, yeah. of, all, of all time. Yeah. So, uh, Mentioned to Ian Dawes, who's a good player. Dawes, he was a very good player, but, but Thatcher's representative, yeah. I think, of the Millwall fans. So, yeah. Excellent. So in a diamond-shaped midfield you're going to go for, John, who are you playing in the, the holding sort of the defensive midfield position can only be one man, can only be one man. The legend that is Terry Herlock. Hey, well Although done. He wasn't at his best when he when I played with him, he was a fantastic character and a fantastic yeah. man. So he gets ahead of Andy May and Andy Roberts, but brilliant. I've got to have him in the team because if I'm going to play in this team, I want to play with Terry Herlock. I say at the moment, the way this team's looking like at the moment, I think not only they'd be good at football, I think they'd be great, good, good in the fight as well. They all kicked off, wouldn't yeah, they? And we'd have a great night at the end of it, you know. <laughs> so I think <laughs> exactly. So I presume you're kind of going for not the out and out wingers, we're kind of going for the side right. of the diamond, the left side, yeah, the right side. Yeah. yeah. Who, who the right side has to be Alex Ray. Alex Ray, great choice. Yeah, yeah, Alex Ray has to be in there. And on um, the other side? Yeah, I, 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 I'm trying to get. Mark Kennedy, E.T. in there. Mm. I've ended up Paul Kerr, as I mentioned, but I've gone Les Briley. Les Again, Briley. Okay. Les, you know, my, my first year as, as, you know, very good, um, very good Millwall player, um, yeah. very reliable and a brilliant person. Do you know what I mean? And a Millwall yeah. legend. So I've, I've got to have exactly. that in the team. Yeah. Brilliant. And, he, and he's still around in the kind of yeah. in hospitality yeah. at Millwall yeah. at the moment. And the fans really, yeah. really warm yeah. to him. So in that attacking midfield position, the top of the diamond, yeah. who are you going for? Yes, me, Malcolm Allen. Malcolm, Malcolm Allen. Allen, great choice. Yeah. Love player. that. Ian Bogey. Other... Ian Bogey. Yeah. Ian Bogey, honourable mention. E.T. would be an honourable mention on that. Paul e. Kerr. Yeah. 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 But yeah. Brilliant. Um, Excellent. And then we're going for a front two. So obviously we're going to pick yourself there, John. Yes. So you're going to play that's in, in the, uh, the team. Probably the, the nicest guy <laughs> The team so far, everyone looks like a bunch of nutters. And you've got, you've got John going, it is a nice yeah, story. Yeah, yeah. I'll just so be sitting in the corner. Yeah, but it all kicks off. You're the one that kind of walks away from the camera, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'll just throw it in. Yeah. I'd say Casey, Kenny, and myself are the, are the tame ones amongst that lot. Yeah, definitely. So, before you give us the player you love to play up front with. Is there any honourable mentions for any any strikers, any other forwards? Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah I, 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 in all truth, um, as you as you rightly say, I, I feel a bit, I shouldn't be ahead of uh, Chris Armstrong, um, John McGinley, Jamie Morley, Dave Mitchell. You know, there's some good, good strikers there. So, I, know, I, think, I uh, think you're being, you know, I, I think you're being a bit hard on yourself. Though. I think you're definitely warrant a place in this team, honestly. You, you're, I think uh, it. My, my, the partner I've picked, I think we was a good partnership, albeit for not a long period of time, but, you know, definitely brought out the best in each other. Yeah. Who, who's that then? Only one man. 
Mr. Sheridan. Yay, great choice. Lovely Teddy. The Teddy. And I must admit, during that first season, when, when I sort of used to watch you two play together, yeah. and you yeah. mentioned about, you know, his attributes and him being very good in the air and everything else, but yeah, I think there's a, a nice little balance there. And, you know, having you sort of playing alongside him and make those runs in the channels and, and do yeah. what you did, I think there's a nice little balance. So, uh, yeah, that team looks really, really good. So just to uh, retract them very quickly, so we've got Keller in goal, we've got Reiner at right back, uh, Ben Thatcher left back, we've got Kenny Cunningham, Pat Van den Howe at the back, we've got Terry Herlock in the holding midfield position. On the side of the diamond, we've got Alex Ray, Les Briley. I mean, two box-to-box sort of players. You can't get better than that. We've got Malcolm Allen, the top of the diamond, playing behind a front two of Teddy Sheringham and John Goodman. That's a fantastic team. Brilliant. I like that. Exactly Excellent. Now, if you still got, yeah, if you've still got time, we want to go through sure. the, um, the Q&A from the fans, because I know they'd be a bit gutsy if I didn't get a chance to, uh, no to ask you this. So, um, now, again, I must apologise. Because there are some good questions here. There are some cheeky ones as well. Okay, John. So uh, I'm, sure you, I'm sure you've had a few of these before. So the first question from uh, from Hobsey is, how big was the transition from Bromley to Millwall? He wants to know. Okay. Um, strangely, it didn't seem that big, but I think I was very lucky that the good players around me made it easier, you know, Um mm. So I assumed that anybody that played non-league could play professional football because the people that I was playing with just made it so easy for me. Um, so mm-hmm. you'd make a run, they'd put it exactly where you needed it put. So, yeah, it was obviously yeah a lot easier than I anticipated, albeit when I was then in the second season, I was needed to be the main man. I wasn't ready. So that then it suddenly really dawned on me, John, you got you got to polish your craft a little bit here. Okay. Now, I don't blame you saying pass to the next question, okay, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Uh, so I asked the, the group, who, what, what questions do you have for John Goodman? Uh, a guy called Wizard stepped up and said, uh, can you ask him, what does Roseanne's Nuna taste like? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You, you uh, care to answer uh, that one? I've, uh, well, I've been happily married for uh, 30 <laughs> or 26, 27 years. So I've not tasted Rosanna's Nuna. <laughs> I'm not sure the other John Goodman has either. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, next question I've got from uh, Ben Quickenden. He asks Did anyone try and beat Steve Harrison's shit in the pint glass party trick? What's that about? Oh, man, it, it was a legendary thing that Steve did um, and it cost him his job at, um, uh, at Ipswich away, which I, I was there. Really? So, so, yeah, Steve, and it, it, listen, it, looking back, it's probably not the best thing you should be doing on a Friday night, night before a game, but Steve was just such a joker and he, he could aim his shit uh, <laughs> with, with military precision, all right? So um, we... was. Unfortunately, Bruce Bruce Riot wasn't at the game, so we, we travelled to it on a Friday night. Uh, Harry's, we're giving Harry stick, like Mick McCarthy, all the senior boys, like, come on, Harry, when are you going to do this trick for us? He said, oh, I'll do it tonight. Come come to my hotel room, come to my room after we've eaten, right? We turn up, we knock on the door, he opens the door, he's got his underpants over his head, and they're like goggles like this, right? He's got a towel wrapped around him as a cape, and he's got his pants on. And then he's got a chest of, not, not, not a big wardrobe, but like a chest of drawers and a towel underneath with a glass. We go in. He says, right now, the great Harrisono, or whatever, he, I can't remember what you call yourself now, the great <laughs> Harry will produce. And he starts to have a shit. And then he, 
And he goes, and he pulls it back in again. And, goes, and then, then it just starts gushing out into the glass, all over the glass, all over the oh towel. We are screaming, right? As, as you yeah. He grabs the glass, jumps off, starts grabs the glass, starts chasing after us. We go sprinting out of the door. As bad luck would have it, he's chased us down the corridor. <laughs> he and the deal, the assistant manager's coming around the corner, and, and Ian just looked at Harrison. Oh, no. So we knew we was in the shit. And I think we there, threw Literally, down, yeah. Literally, in the, yeah. So he, he got the sack the following, you know, after that game, which it, it, killed, <laughs> it killed the atmosphere of the, of the club because oh, it could imagine. have been dealt with internally and Bruce... Felt he had to make a stand, but it, it just lost. We lost all respect for Bruce and, and Ian off the back yeah. of that. Really. Harry lost his job with England as well. Wow! So, but no one, no one was ever capable of following in, in their footsteps. No, no, exactly. That's the answer to your question, Ben. Uh, next question: uh, We had a shaken Stevens. We had an Elvis Goodman in one squad. Was you ever all shook up in a game? From Mick, that is. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, all shook up. Nah, you nah, uh, no, <laughs> I, I got kicked in the head a few times, but yeah, and, and yeah. I, 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 not all shook up on the pitch. There was a, sh- a shook up moment when I made my debut, or I think it's my mm. the, the second game. Bruce went after Malcolm Allen, and it was terrifying, you know, and, and, and for really? a young lad, like they they went toe to toe. Bruce just decided he was gonna he was gonna go after Malcolm. He just absolutely. Wow. There was other stuff going on off the pitch, and um, yeah. Bruce just was like, it was a premeditated thing, and you know, and he dragged Malcolm off, said, "You, you ain't playing again," and and, and yeah. he turned around to me and said, "Right, get stripped off, you're going on," you know. So um, that, that probably did shake me up a little bit, but yeah, <laughs> just a bit. Um, got Matt Richards just asked a question: uh, Do you have any football boots still, and are you free to play for his team this Friday night? I, I, I. I, I've stopped wearing football boots. Even as a coach, I'd wear trainers now because they're just so uncomfortable. As you get older, they're just uncomfortable. And I, I play a lot of other sports now. I, I don't play football because it just frustrates the life out of me. What I can't do, you know. So I, I play golf. I play racquetball. I, I play different activities, you know, paddle tennis, whatever. But I just won't play football. Brilliant. And uh, Malcolm Chapman asks, how good was Andy May and Malcolm Allen in anything you played in? Yeah, quite the unsung in some ways, Andy May. Really Mm. um, made the team function, no doubt about that. Again, taught us, taught Andy Roberts probably how to play that position. Um, So, you know, as much as you can coach players, sometimes you're better off just copying someone who's Mm. who's doing it far better than you. Uh, Mm. And Malcolm... He was just technically so good, you know. Mm. Like he just control was outstanding. <laughs> we, my first season, right? So Bruce Rick decides, oh, t- to lighten the mood, we're gonna have a head tennis competition. Head tennis basically is ball receiving, like obviously with a football. And there's, yeah. I, as luck would have it, I draw Malcolm Allen in the first round, and <laughs> like, so I serve. He just boots it back over the net, one nil. He then serves. I can just about get it back. Then he kills it. I think it was embarrassing. I, you know, just thought, oh. Is, is that good technically, was he? He was that good technically. <laughs> and he, and he, and he, and he, what was nice about Malcolm, he, had, he, he was very confident, but not in a nasty yeah. way. He, he kind of, but he was, he, he was, he was. A, he knew he was how good he was, yeah. Yeah. yeah, he did. He, had, yeah. he knew he was quality. 
he seemed like one of the very few players that can get away with scoring with toe punts. I don't know, I don't know if you noticed that at all. He's got a few yeah, goals yeah. like toe punt, didn't he? He's almost. He was clever. He was. He was. He was like a lot of people say footballers ain't ain't smart, and then we may not be academically brilliant, but we're very sharp. Mm. And, and Malcolm yeah. could could read situations quicker than most, and you know. Mm. We'd have the confidence to play with a little bit of disguise and, and, and back himself. And you're right, yes, yeah, so he, he is real craftsman, very good. Brilliant. And sorry, and the second part to his question was uh, who was the best player you played with at Millwall? Obviously, we mentioned your, your team there, so I guess it's got to be one of those. Yeah, I, it, it, I, I can't look beyond Teddy. I can't, you know, what he achieved for mm. England, the clubs he played for, it wasn't a coincidence, you know, he was he was that mm. good, you know, and, it, yeah. and he was a very good very knowledgeable on the game and how to make the game work for him. Mm, brilliant. And uh, last question from Phil Clark. Um, in your previous roles of sports science and sports psychology, can players really benefit from the mental coaching as well as the physical coaching? Yeah, I don't think you can coach players mentally, but what you can be is hopefully a, a person of trust to them. And I, what I mean by that is, is, a lot of players are really insecure. Um, as you mentioned, like when you pick a team, you're always doubting yourself, strangely. And, mm. I, you know, I've worked with some really good players that are really on top of their game and suffer with a lot of anxiety about mm. going to fail. It's not, you know, they, they're just, they're, they're so far outside their comfort zone. So mm. I think, you know, there's an, they're, and what you're trying teaching people the whole time is they're perfectly natural. Uh, it's, you know, it's not normal to, to rock up in front of 40,000 people and kick a ball around, you know, it, that's not normal. See, rightly so, if it means anything to you, you're going to be a little bit outside your comfort zone. Mm. Uh, it's how you manage yourself through that. I've been, you know, fortunate and unfortunate in some ways to work with uh, like Sporting Chance, which is Tony Adams's charity. And you've seen, I've worked, you know, highly high profile people like Paul Gascoigne and, mm. you know, a brilliant person, but the, 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 the side effects of being a professional footballer can often be, you know, a really uh, distorted view of the world and a distorted, um, you know, social life, you know? So mm. yeah, it, uh, listen, I'm thankful I come out of the game in, 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 in you know, healthy, healthy state, physically and mentally. Mm. Um, but it, yeah, it, it, it does, it does prey on your mind quite a bit. Yeah. Excellent. So that, that's the end of the, uh, the, the Q and A. Um, I think we might have a minute left to right. play one more game. If that's okay with you. And yeah, um, right. if there's one game you'd like to see, what game would it be? Uh, uh, I, 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 we had some brilliant games, uh, Mill, but I think th th there was a four-all game against Sheffield Wednesday in the, uh, in the FA Cup in my first season, which had a bit of everything, some good players on the pitch on the day, and it was a you know, fantastic, fantastic atmosphere. Excellent. I haven't seen this yet, so uh, I'm, it's the first time, well, obviously I saw it at the time, but uh, I haven't seen it back since, so uh, this is our chance to see it very quick. It's only for a minute or so. Let's, let's watch it now. Blue went ahead after 50 seconds. A comedy of errors. Paul Stevenson smiling at the end of it, though. Good advantage played from the referee. Sheffield Wednesday, quickly level. David Hurst, 21st goal of the season. Nice drag back when the ball came into the area. But both teams had hardly warmed up yet. After half an hour, creeping in to put Sheffield Wednesday back in front, Trevor Francis, Nigel Pearson's shot, palmed upwards. 2-2 after 40 minutes, Teddy Sheringham with the acrobatic overhead kick, 
Alex Ray with the perfect 10 on his back, scoring for Millwall. Sheffield Wednesday went back in front 10 minutes into the second half. Nigel Pearson stabbing it in. That was the fifth goal of the game. Four minutes later, the sixth, the ball worked in from the left. Sheringham made it look easy, 3-3. Now both teams had a rest until five minutes from time. Then Viv Anderson proved there's still a lot of football left in him, heading Sheffield Wednesday back in front again, 4-3. But Ray had the last word from Sheringham's shot. For all, the final score. Wow, what a game. Eight eight goals. And you mentioned players like Viv Anderson, Trevor Francis, and yeah. young Nigel Pearson at the time. It's incredible, really. You see those sort of uh, those names, those players. What a game. I didn't realise that. I didn't I, I just remember that it was just so happened because it was that time of the year where the floodlights come on, it was the conditions were a little bit wet, it was ball was zipping yeah. around and fantastic, fantastic game. Yeah, really good. unbelievable. John on behalf of obviously all the Millwall fans um, watching, listening to this, who are lucky enough to watch you at the old den, the new den during during your period with us, I just want to thank you so much uh, from the bottom of the heart for you coming on and sharing these these moments with us. It's been an absolute pleasure uh, talking to you and really living those moments again. And um, whatever you do in, in the future, I really hope you come back to uh, to Millwall and maybe do some work with us with, with our players. And God, they, they do need some mental help at the moment, uh, yeah. physical work. So. Uh, let me give uh, Gary Rowett a call, see, see if he uh, <laughs> in the hands, you know. But uh, any any last sort of words for the, for the Millwall fans? Any any last sort of message you want to give them? No, just, I guess, although it's a long time ago, just thank you for all them, the wonderful support. And, you know, just fingers crossed they, they, they hang in there in the playoffs and have some success this season. Absolutely. Brilliant. John, you're an absolute legend. Thank you very, very much. Uh, we'll keep in touch. And uh, I wish you all the very, very best for the future. Take care. Thanks, John. Thank you. Thank you. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.